Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 10 of the Arkansas Independence Podcast. I'm excited about this episode because I have a candidate for attorney general with me. Uh, Jesse Gibson's here with me today. Jesse, I'm excited about your campaign. I've been able to catch you at a few events, checking out your website. And um, I got to say, over the past you know, 10, 15 years, it seems like the attorney general position is getting more press, getting a little more awareness. People are, seem to be paying more attention to it. Um, seems like it's becoming increasingly partisan, if you will, uh, which is a little bit concerning. But I want to ask you, in a nutshell, uh, what does an attorney general do, first off? And two, what made you decide to, to run for this position? Great questions. I uh, appreciate you having me on, Derek. I really uh, appreciate the opportunity to visit with you about uh, about our campaign. Great question. Uh, what does the Attorney General do? I really always, when I get that question, I boil it down to three main things. Uh, first off, they represent the state of Arkansas. Now, that can be in litigation uh, across the state or in, in any number of kinds of cases, lawsuits, uh, whatnot. But it also is a, an advisory role. It advises uh, and provides legal counsel to boards and commissions, governing bodies, licensing entities uh, that run the gamut. Uh, you can't of all the, the state-run uh, offices, it provides them a lawyer uh, and advice uh, and how to proceed. Everything from FOIA to hiring, firing, uh, personnel matters, just gives them legal advice. The second thing I think that's that is the main job of the attorney general's office, although there's many divisions. Uh, is to represent the state in criminal appeals. Our state is, all states are a little bit different. Our prosecutions originate at the county level. We have county prosecutors. Now, some states, the attorney generals uh, do have prosecutorial duties. In Arkansas, it's really to represent the state in criminal appeals. Now, how does that work? If a jury verdict uh, and, and let's say a, a, a sentence of incarceration is handed down, that is, in essence, the actions of the state taking to deprive someone of their liberty uh, and to put them in the Department of Corrections. So the attorney general's office defends that jury verdict uh, on behalf of the state who would be levying uh, that, that punishment or whatever it might be. The third thing is to be the people's lawyer. Uh, and that is really where consumer protection issues abound, uh, protecting people from price gouging, uh, which I think we're seeing a lot of lately uh, with inflationary measures being also part, par, part and parcel of that is for price gouging. Uh, representing the people of Arkansas against scams or um, predatory practices. Uh, the Arkansas Deceptive Trade Practices Act is something that is, is used often by the Attorney General's office uh, to represent a wide variety uh, of people who've been taken advantage of by predatory uh, folks. Now, there's other divisions. There's many divisions. There's Medicaid Fraud Division, but those are the three kind of basic umbrellas that I would put the, the duties of the Attorney General's office uh, under. Why do I, what caused me to want to be Attorney General? There's a, I always say there's an internal reason and an external reason. The internal reason is, is that for my first job out of law school, uh, I went to work for a large law firm here in Little Rock and representing big companies and insurance carriers. And it did not take long before I realized I hated it. It was not for me. Um, spending all my days hoping that the, the decimal point moved over one spot just was not fulfilling. I didn't feel like it was uh, like my work was was beneficial to anyone. So very quickly, after only about three years, I realized I needed to 
find something different. And I left my law firm, and in 2002, 20 years ago, this last May, I hung out my shingle and opened up my own firm and really found what I think is my life's calling, and that's helping folks who have problems. Now, what internal satisfaction did I find over these last 20 years? I've sat across this very desk and the tables all across, kitchen tables all across the state, and I've come into contact with people who have suffered, uh, who've suffered a loss, maybe the loss of a loved one, maybe a business problem they couldn't find their way out of, or or just something they needed someone to listen to and try to help them with. And and I found great self-satisfaction and great selfish pride and fulfillment from trying to help folks navigate the legal system. Now, why is that important? Well, it's because a lot of people can't go to down to the halls of Congress or the halls of our state legislature and influence legislation or have direct impact over very many elected leaders at all. But everyone here who's listened to your podcast, I guarantee they've all been to court. And it could be from everything from a speeding ticket to something more serious. But it's the tip of the spear where public policy meets people. And that's the attorney general's office has the ability to impact the lives positively of so many people across this state. And that's what I want to do is put that nearly 25 years of experience to work for the people of Arkansas. Now, that's the internal reason. I, I get self-satisfaction from it, and, and I have a calling to serve and to help. The external reason is something that happened about a year and a half ago. And I sat at this very desk, this very screen, and watched the halls of our Capitol being stormed during the insurrection on, June, on January the 6th. And seeing how tenuous our republic is and how it's dependent on good people doing right and how it's dependent on good people becoming involved and how it's dependent on people who have a servant's heart to help others to become involved to, for it to work. It is not meant to, to be, it's not meant to withhold a bad actor acting selfishly. And so I decided that it's time to stop complaining and get active. And I decided this is the, the best way for me to serve my country and my state. Well, awesome, Jesse. I appreciate you sharing that with me and, sure. uh, and also educating us on that position a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you now that we're, now that we're moving into the last, you know, we're, we're within the last hundred days, uh, closing down on election day. And I kind of wondered what your – you obviously didn't have an opponent in the primary. Am I correct? That's correct. Okay, I thought so. Right. I looked it up, and but, yeah, I didn't see that you did. I didn't <laughs> think you did, but I wanted to make sure I was remembering correctly. Sure. But now on the other side, there was uh, – there was uh, Tim Griffin had an opponent. I can't even remember his opponent's name, but Tim Griffin walked away mm-hmm. uh, grabbing the, the primary for the Republican Party, Correct. Correct. It'd be defeated Leon Jones Jr. That's correct, and incidentally, right. it's Chris yeah, Jones' okay. brother. Leon. Oh, are you kidding me? Mm-mm. No, it's a true story. Well, that's interesting. Thanksgiving we, around there. We'll have to fun. dive into that on a house. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we'll have to dive into that one on a campfire episode or something. We we get Chris involved, but uh, that's right. anyway, I didn't know that. But anyway, mm-hmm. well, I mean, you know, I think Tim was was had kind of favored to win that one. He's been a obviously on in the scene a long time i i assume that probably went about how you thought it did but is this your first time running for a position no no i ran for the legislature in 2006 when it was an embarrassment of riches in democratic politics in arkansas and ran in a four-way primary 
um, and came up short. And I was very young. I was only, I think, 30 years old or 29. I can even remember. But um, it was a good experience. There were four great candidates, and we were all friends. And we really had a, a really positive experience running uh, and really advocating for issues that we all believed in and just tried to differentiate ourselves. But it was a good experience. But this is the first time for really for, for um, statewide office, obviously. Yeah, but but you kind of had a mind for it then, or obviously, you know, this is something that's been on your heart for a long time. Um, yeah, well, you know, I'm going to throw you a softball here because I want to I want to hear the answer from someone that thinks, you know, through the, like the way you do. Um, sure. What do you think are the are the and it's a two part question so that it doesn't come off as negative. <laughs> but what do you think are the <laughs> biggest threats and also the biggest uh, opportunities that Arkansas has in front of us right now? It's a great question. I think the number one threat that we have right now, actually there's, there's, I'll make a two part question, a two part answer. I think right now the, the biggest threat that we have is to basic rights to go to the ballot box. And you said earlier, I think it was really, really important about, the role that state attorneys general have, have, have assumed in the last, I'd say 10, 15 years. I think that's probably true, but we've never seen a tax on the right to vote and just to exercise our basic rights under the constitution, our basic civil uh, uh, rights to, to, to have bodily autonomy, to, to do things that, that to, to have our own uh, rights taken away. And that's why I think attorneys general, specifically democratic attorneys general, uh, have come to the forefront because they are the last line of defense for, particularly on the federal level, of trying to restrict the rights of people to go to the ballot box and vote, which is, you know, it, it's it's kind of weird that, that, it, that voting has almost become a partisan issue. It shouldn't be that way. It really shouldn't be something that, that we look at that, that one group should enjoy or experience or exercise any more than another one. So I'd say that Number one, the right to vote is is right up there at the top. It, it's right up there with uh, um, the most important things we hold dear because not a whole heck of a lot else matters if we can't go to the polls and disagree. And so I think that's the real one of the, the main things that's that, that's under attack. Now we are, we are we you know are, as Arkansans, it's somewhat on us. We we don't vote at rates that we should be. We are near the last in voting participation. And I think that a lot of the things that the, the uh, uh, that the Republicans in charge the last eight years ha- have done is to almost give these people no hope, to give so many swaths of Arkansans very little reason to think that things will get better. And that's what I think is our, our, our biggest opportunity, is to showcase that this is a state with great potential. I have people, I'm sure you're the same way, but I, I, I've had friends from all over the country that come to Arkansas and just marvel at its natural beauty, the kindness of its people, the the ability of their of citizens to be open and and caring. So I think that's where the greatest opportunity is, and I think that's why we need to have good people run for office because so many of these people that have decided to check out and not participate in the electoral process, they need something to believe in. They need someone to think. That, that they can look at and say, they think like I do. They need someone to give them inspiration and hope. And that's where I think we can go nowhere but up in Arkansas. I think we've been, a lot of our citizens have been beaten down over the last eight years and given very little hope. 
Uh, and I think that's where, where I'd, I'd like to give folks some reasons to be optimistic. Gotcha. On that, I, I've been critical of Leslie before, or Leslie Rutledge, our current AG, before, because there for a long time it was just – and I don't. I didn't. And I still don't. You know, know enough about the the position, which is the whole reason I do this podcast is just so I can talk to people like you and learn more and and share that as I go. You know, but you know the the Rutledge method seemed to be to file frivolous lawsuit after frivolous lawsuit, whether there was basis or not. And I thought I work in marketing, you know, so it's like we're just buying name placements here through lawsuits that are not going to hold up, you know. And I I also hear other Arkansas complain about that because ultimately what we see there is an abuse of time. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like clocking in and and saying you're heading to Charlie's house to do some work, but instead you stop off at 15 different gas stations, <laughs> kind of thing. You know, the scope of work has been expanding to even including you know some some uh, well campaigning for herself essentially but doing it under the guise of acting attorney general which is uh you know an ethics concern to say the least but i say all that to queue you up for a question um just because that's what we know and and leslie is what we've had and there's people that will you know like some things about her and dislike things about her but how would you sort of compare and contrast yourself to to her you know what Say, say we luck out and we get to send you there in November. H- how do you kind of see yourself contrasting her? I don't know. I hate to use the word legacy, but you know what I mean. Her record sure. there. I'll, I'll say that. Sure. It's a great, it's another great question. And I, I think the number one thing that will be different, you said something earlier that I really do agree with, you know, and while your job as a lawyer is to be an advocate for your client or for whomever you're trying to help, there's got to be a certain basic respect for truth and for honesty and to trust democratic small D institutions, courts being part of that and, and, and respecting the process and your duty to always, you know, there's, I was looking at, at, at the model rules of professional conduct today, you know, about your candor and honesty towards a tribunal. And you mentioned earlier about how the politicization of, of the of the attorney general's office around the nation. I agree. And, and, and that's where I think I'll be quite different is that I've actually been in private practice now for a quarter of a century. And I take it very seriously. Things like candor towards the tribunal, always being honest, always telling the truth, always being forthcoming, because you're not just representing and zealously advocating for a client. You are, as an officer of the court, speaking and representing and being part of the court itself. And your duties are not just to the client, although that is paramount. It's also to the tribunal and also for the causes of justice. I mean, I'm looking here at my law license right here above me, and it's talking about you know all of the things the attorney's oath supporting the Constitution of the United States. Was Leslie Rutledge doing that, challenging the elections of other states? Faithfully performing the duties of an attorney at law, which means always being honest towards the tribunal? Did she always do that in a lot of the lawsuits she joined seeking uh, to play politics with Washington? No. And that's where I think the big difference between her office and the way she's handled the attorney, the power of the attorney general's office and the way I'll do it when I'm elected. Now, if you want someone who's just a creature of Washington, someone who's going to play Washington, D.C. politics, 
then my opponent's probably the right guy for you. If you want someone who has been mired in scandal, if you want someone who has been at the, at, you know, a, a really very intimately bound up in some really difficult and hard to understand votes against veterans, against teachers, uh, caging votes of, of veterans, caging votes of people uh, and minorities who are trying to vote. He's probably for you. That's not what I am about, and that's not what I'll do as attorney general. I think that's the big difference, number, number, number one. Number two is financially. You know, there's an article in the Democrat Gazette earlier this week that, you know, we have elections in Arkansas on the, on the even years, right? If it's got a zero or an even, zero even number, we're going to have an election. And I don't just relegate this to, to Republicans to, and Leslie Rutledge. But it seems like when we have an inhabitant of the attorney general's office seeking higher office on those even numbered years, they utilize what are normally state taxpayer funds at an exorbitant rate to try to build their name recognition to run for higher office. You notice that in, in, in 2020, uh, her ad spending budget was, I believe, about $2.3 million. In fiscal 2022, it was $3.26 million. So you've got a lot of money that the attorney general's office that would otherwise be taxpayer and funds of the state is utilizing to try mm -hmm. to bolster her her electoral um, uh, outlook. I won't do that. I'll vow not to do that. And I've even called for a 30 to 60, 90 day moratorium in election years so that there's no appearance of impropriety, that there's any attempt uh, to take advantage of those funds in the attorney general's office. Yeah. OK, well. When you talked about earlier, you know, to kind of tie some of that back together, um, we had talked about the biggest threats and opportunities, and we kind of we started to weigh down looking at looking at election laws, and uh, here we are, kind of talking about that again a little bit. But you know, this is something. Um, obviously, Secretary of State's going to be on the ballot this yep. year too. You know, and I I've been able to visit with uh, with Josh. Some. I haven't got to visit with. Is it Amber? Annabeth. Uh, Annabeth, I feel terrible not knowing that. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't got to meet her yet, um, unfortunately, but I know obviously that's a big part of their position. But so to dive into that just a little bit more for just a little while um, on on the specifics of election laws, what are you concerned about specifically or what are you seeing that that ultimately makes you identify that as a threat. Are there, are there some specifics that we sure. can identify at this well, time? You know, you know, and okay. another great point there is that across this, I mean, people who have authoritarian leanings and who don't mind the thought of, of, of strong men leaders, they'll tell you what they're going to do. Right. They, they, they say the quiet part out loud mm -hmm. and it's through the election process. It's secretary of state's office because they're the ones that certify and run elections. And then it's also the attorney general's yeah. office that would defend or litigate the outcome of the election. So these are really important down ballot races in every state, in, in every state. If we want to talk about security of elections now, the, and I don't mean security of elections about people about voter fraud. You know, I'm talking about just allowing groups of people to vote, not making it harder to vote, not limiting their access to the polls, not making it impossible to get to the polls without being able to drive, you know, 30, 40 miles one way. So that's the battlefront. You know, it's it's troubling that again they say that the the the, the bad part out loud, but 
is that's where it's going is to just to try to influence who's counting the votes and then who's litigating the case after it's over. And that's why I think a strong Democratic attorney general uh, is key to helping protect the electoral process and everyone's ability to go to the polls and vote. I'll be that independent watchdog. I will be that person who will call balls and strikes. You know, and, and again, there's there are things about the federal government right now under a Democratic uh, leadership that I don't agree with. And I'll push back on that uh, that on, on, on D.C. if it's if it's warranted, no matter who's in the, in the White House. But I don't want to become I, I don't want the attorney general's office here in Arkansas to be part and parcel of that attack uh, and limitation on our rights. I just think it's morally wrong and against against the Constitution that we all as attorneys sort of uphold. Mm -hmm. Well, when I see some stats, you know, which we've all kind of been, especially because it is an election year, you know, we're we're constantly reminded that Arkansas has the lowest voter turnout, um, that we're at the top or real close to the top in the amount of ballots that we just throw out, or sorry, mail-in ballots that we right. that we throw out. I had um, a former representative, Republican Representative Nate Bell, on the podcast right before you, and he actually worked on the platform in 2010 and worked on, you know, he... he he has worked on the election laws and just that system, you know, and even even he there are many on the Republican side that vouch for Arkansas has free and fair elections. The fraud that Arkansas has is so it's is so negligent um, that any any amount if every accusation was true, it still wouldn't change everything because of how minuscule the the actual fraud or evidence of fraud that we have is yet. We're kind of falling all over ourselves to talk about making all these laws and, and putting rules in place. And it, I hope people will just see that a component alone because when you have Republicans that are saying, hey, we don't need to mess with this, and then you have Democrats that are also saying that, might be something to look at. Might be something, <laughs> might be something to think something about, right? Consider, you know. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So – you know, looking like I said, or like we talked about earlier, we're getting we're getting down here to the end. Primaries mm -hmm. are over. Uh, we're starting to to get past this heat wave, hopefully, and then <laughs> have some public events. Get out a little bit more, enjoy the outdoors a little bit more. But I wanted to ask you. I know as a candidate, every single week is different and things change. But right. what's the next ninety days look like for you generally? What? How do you see it going? Well, that's a great question. Again, um, we've been very active as a campaign. You know, I've been I've eaten tomatoes in Warren, uh, been uh, all the way up to Corning and Pigot, the northeast Arkansas. Uh, I was in a couple weeks ago. I was up in northwest Arkansas. I'll be there again tomorrow or Thursday. Um, we've been through all corners of the state. We're going to continue doing that, meeting voters where they are, talking about things like inflation. You know, and why, if, you know, it, it's something that everywhere we go, people talk about it. I mean, it, it affects us when we drive down the road and see gas prices. We go to the grocery store to buy milk. It's something that all our Kansans are suffering uh, with right now. So we're going to talk about what the attorney general's office can do to help uh, people who are suffering financially. Now, this is something that we're, we're going to be talking about more as the days go on. But the attorney general's office has some pretty broad power to go after price gouging. Uh, as long as there's been a declaration of emergency uh, by the governor. Trust me, go talk to people around town squares in Arkansas. They'll tell you it's an emergency, that they're having trouble mm -hmm. buying food, 
paying for medication, paying rent, getting their kids ready to go back to school. So I, and, and where's our attorney general been asking for the governor to, to declare an emergency so that she can exercise some of that power? Been nowhere and taking no action. My opponent, Tim Griffin, has he been anywhere? His office is next door to, to the governor. Has he gone over there and said, hey, we'd, it'd be a good idea to, to, to give our attorney general uh, the, the arrows and the quiver to go after some price gouging, which we all know is happening right now. Although the price of goods and the, the price of uh, getting goods to market and good, goods to uh, the stores is higher, that's not in, uh, an all-encompassing explanation. There are there's record profits being taken by companies all over the all over the, the, the country and in Arkansas as well. So that's what we're going to be talking about as we go around the next 99 days or however long. We're going to be talking about issues that matter, kitchen table issues. How can we help the goods that you buy and the medication that you have to buy? How can we help? What can we do from the attorney general's office to make those more affordable so that you can have more peace of mind that you, your loved ones, be taken care of uh, and safe uh, as they go to work and school as we head into the fall? It's going to be fun. I mean, I, I you know, I, I like a lot of the festivals that go on around Arkansas, those, those historic and traditional things that you do. Uh, I will be defending my title uh, in the Hope Watermelon Eating Contest here in a couple of weeks. Oh. Open to all comers. Well. Great. <laughs> bring it but uh that needs know. to be added to your business card it, it, oh i've got a plaque I, I do have a plaque and it's oh, uh, okay yeah it's 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 hangs predominantly in my home so but uh, no anyway we'll, we'll be doing all the things that that campaigns do uh we'll be up on the air we'll be in your mailbox we will be uh, social media we'll just be very busy these next uh, uh three months and sprinting to the finish line gotcha gotcha well, I mean, if people want to learn more about the, because I, I want to give some people a chance to follow up with you and also just learn more about all this sure. stuff. But if people want to figure out where you're going to be next or just what's going on, uh, where's the best place to follow you at or interact with you at? Uh, you can go to jessegibsonforarkansas.com, J-E-S-S-E, no, no, I and Jesse, jessegibsonforarkansas.com. Uh, and Jesse Gibson for AG is my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that. We'll usually post stuff on social, on the website if we can, um, to let people know where we're going to be uh, at any certain time. Uh, or call us. Our, our numbers are on the website. Give us a, give us a buzz. We'd love to, to, to have you in and uh, help stuff envelopes or do whatever uh, whatever you can help us out with. But those that's those are the best resources to find out where we're going to be. Um, and, and if you if, if there's no if all else fails, just give us a ring on the phone. All right. So here's what before before we uh, get, you know close down. We've only been we're, we're right under thirty minutes. We're doing pretty good on time. I'm going to ask you like some some fun quick fire questions. There's sure. no wrong answer to it. Have you ever it's watched just more that? to get to get to know you better and do did, something? Did you ever watch that James Lipton show inside the actor studio? Where at the end of every episode he would say, uh, what do you, "I don't know." He would always say they they parodied it on on Saturday Night Live. But at the end of every episode he would say, "What do you hope God says to you when you get to heaven?" <laughs> That's a good one. That's a challenging one. Yeah, it's. I like it. Well, what's my answer? Well, I'm just okay. What do you What do you hope God says to you when you get to heaven, Jesse? We've been waiting on you. We we're expecting you. You, you made go. it. You made it. You barely. Well, you just made it, right? <laughs> 
I thought I'd never see the day. Right. No, okay. So it's more, uh, not, not quite as, uh, uh, eternal as that our questions are <laughs> not not so so searching yeah gotcha, gotcha. so let me ask you this because um this is a this has been a fun one for me lately to try to hit back on just to learn more about people but looking looking back through political history if you will do you have a uh, a uh, sort of person of interest in the political spectrum that you typically find inspiration from any heroes out there yeah. in the in history books for you i do and you it's Bobby Kennedy, and it, which is not the Kennedy name whenever I think, you know, I'm a Democrat. It might not be the one that immediately pops to mind, but there's a couple of reasons why. And it's because, number one, it's because he was a former attorney general of, of, of the United States, but he was someone who was committed almost, you know, zealously, you know, to, to, to the interests of justice. Um, his whole his whole career, not just as attorney general, but he was steadfastly committed to the issues of, of not only legal justice in, in the legal realm, but also later in life, much more to social justice and to ending, you know, there's great, great, I think Evan Thomas was the one that wrote the book, my favorite book about Bobby Kennedy, but wrote about the, this transformation he came into, uh, in, he had mid, uh, midlife, uh, middle age, uh, about really becoming obsessed and, and committed towards helping uh, in poverty and how he took these, these in, in, innate um, beliefs about the justice system and seeking justice and doing justice. And it really became more about social justice and ending poverty and serving your fellow man and making sure that, uh, that we could be live harmoniously and, and working together and, you know, kind of culminating in the night that, that Martin Luther King uh, Jr. was killed. He climbed on the back of a car in Indianapolis and gave what's called the Aeschylus speech, you know, and it talks, anyway, that's, that if you, it, it's pretty in deep for your listeners, but there, the Aeschylus speech is when uh, Bobby Kennedy was able to speak to a group of really angry folks and riot, but could have become a riot in Indianapolis, I believe, and was able to, to speak to their hearts about how we're similar and about how we should take um, man's inhumanity to man and things that horrible things have happened to some of us and make them inspirational to ourselves to do better. Um, so he's one that's always been really important to me and that I've always found fascinating um, and, and really an inspiration on those issues of justice and social justice. That's awesome. That's a great answer. I always love hearing people's answers on that stuff because it's, it's rarely like, even if it's the same person, you don't get it the same reason. Right. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's just, that's just one of the ones that that's always stuck with me is, and especially this, you know, talking about transformation later in life. I think that's really important, you know, being able to, to see the problems of the world and not be steadfast in your, in your political views or your, already formed beliefs, but to, to see a problem uh, and, and, mm -hmm. and, and transform yourself into trying to find a solution. Mm -hmm. So let, let me ask you this. Do you got a favorite uh, book or a book that you're obsessing with right now? That's another good question. Um, yeah, I, 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 this is, I, I just finished reading a book about negotiation. I know it sounds fascinating, right? Okay. But it's called never. It's called never. The split art, was the, it the art of the deal? No, it was not. It's called uh, never split the difference by Chris by Chris Voss, who was a former uh, okay. FBI hostage negotiator, and it was about it, it's about how to use influence and how about how to use uh, certain techniques in the negotiation process. But I, thought, I found it fascinating because it really studied the in the sometimes unintuitive ways that humans interact. 
and, and how sometimes we interact. And as a lawyer, I know this, but this really expounded on it, like how we how we interact is so much more emotional than it is uh, out of reason or calculation. Uh, and I find that very interesting. I think that's how people communicate, truly communicate, and how we truly influence is through emotional appeal. You know, and it can be, and it doesn't have to be just, uh, you know, always, it doesn't always have to be positive. It can be something that may be heartfelt pain. But uh, I found that interesting. Of course, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge, uh, I, I, every couple years I'll read uh, The Prince of Tides or Lonesome Dove just because uh, I enjoy them. But uh, that, that's, those are some, some books that are classics mm-hmm. to me. So let's move on to music then. Tell me, I got a two-parter on this one. One, I know it's hard to pick a favorite band. You could throw out a couple that you, that you like, but as a, as a second part to that question, what is the last concert that you attended? Oh, that's a good one. I believe it was Jason Isbell. Uh, that was the last one I went to. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, Jason Isbell. You just got cool points from me. Uh, Hayes Carl. Um, kind of that, what I guess you call Americana mm. music. That's some of my favorite stuff. Um, but that was the last yeah. concerts. And if I, you know, my, my campaign staff would, <laughs> would, would, uh, disagree. They, they, uh, may not always like my choices of music on my Amazon uh, account that I play in my office, but I play a lot of that stuff. I play a lot of um, outlaw, outlaw country, Chris Christopherson, um, mm. Waylon Jennings, that kind of stuff. Merle Haggard, I play a lot of that. Uh, but I'm actually, you know, sometimes I'll get in the mood for some nineties rap, uh, some hip hop and we'll, mm-hmm. we'll jam out here in the office and maybe a little tribe called quest, maybe a, uh, you know, a little public enemy, something like that. But when we mix it up, and when the thing, when we really got to get get pepped up, when we really got to get pepped up, this is this is a go to, and anyone who's out there can steal it. If you need to get your team fired up, War Pigs by Black Sabbath always works. Yeah. Hey, you guys should do. Maybe you've already done this, but you should make a Spotify playlist for your campaign oh, yeah. and then share it out on Facebook that's or something, so idea. we can all tap in. That is a be, good, that's a great. That'd idea. be fun. It's fun. No, it's it's those are yeah. <laughs> we 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 oscillate we, we oscillate between or vacillate between, you know, hip hop, outlaw country, and maybe a little, mixing a little Black Sabbath. So a little bit, a little bit of everything. You're you're kind of like you're an you're an interesting fellow because you're like a Gen Xer, but you look younger than you are, which I think gets you into interesting conversations because you walk in looking like you're in your late thirties, but yet then you say, "Well, I graduated college in '99 or whatever." '96. <laughs> <you know. laughs> so yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'll be 48. Okay. About, I'll be 48. What in about year a month. were you? 1974. I'll be 48 in about a month. You're a you're. A, Okay, you are firmly oh, in I'm the Gen Xer generation, complete Gen X, which makes sense for your music choices. <laughs> yeah, well, you got my vote just because of the. I think the last one of the last concerts I went to was actually Jason Isbell, and it was just. I still think about it. It was amazing. It was uh, over in Memphis. Yeah, it's been. I think before. I've been to some local stuff, you know, but yeah, sure. the first like name that someone would know, I guess. Yeah, yeah. but anyway, well. I got one last question for you, Jesse. Yeah. We've told people how to follow up with you. We got to we got to kind of know who you are underneath the the political vein sure. of things there for you. Um, I know that you have done Q and A's now 
for months and months and months all over the state. What's the one question that you sometimes wish people would ask that they never ask? Well, man, these have been great questions, Derek. The one question that they don't ask that I think <laughs> they should ask. How or that do, you wished, you that know, I that you that you're thinking about. Yeah. Great question. Where how do I get my family members who don't vote out to the ballot box? How can I get them registered to vote? How can I make my neighbors and my friends realize how important it is to go vote? That's something that I wish we would really commit to as a state. I think we might be realized or might be shocked at the outcome if we did that. What's your thoughts on that then? I mean, so I'll ask you, you know, I mean, it's a generational. How do we do that? How do we activate? It's a, it's, it's, it's likely going to be something that's going to take uh, sustained effort, you know, and it's going to take sustained effort to uh, educate people about the importance of voting. Now, what'll speed that up? Uh, what'll speed that up is are things like the legislature planning on these these tax cuts for the wealthy next week. You know, if people would pay attention to those, and maybe this is kind of going back to your other question, but you know, if they would pay attention to the actions of our local legislators, and rather than being obsessed with national politics, the R and the D, the mm-hmm. uh, horse race, I'm winning, you're losing, but really looking at what could affect their lives the most. I think a lot of people would be surprised how how much they care <laughs> and how much it, how how much they should be getting out to the polls. Yeah. My my takeaway from that and it's something, you know, I'm I'm 36 first time candidate, first mm-hmm. time doing anything with politics podcast and I've I've just been a kind of a news junkie and observer for a long time, but you know, I hope that more people I think, especially when we look at the voter turnout from the last election, and historically the voter turnout in the United States is just, it's it's depressing. I don't know how else to describe it. Like, it makes me so sad to see voter turnout numbers. And then I look at the, like you were saying, it, it is going to take generations because the younger generation just flat doesn't vote. And uh, that's my generation. I'm, I'm the next one down, the millennial ones. And I got to say, until the last you know, six to seven years. For me, I had to get to a point, I guess, where it feels like it affects you more. And I think that's something the younger generation goes through where they don't vote until later in life because they don't feel it, it affects them. But I I feel that that trend is now turning around some and that the younger generation is getting more involved. But yet I still feel like we have so much work to do that it feels like we haven't moved the needle, but maybe you're more optimistic. Well, what are your, no, no, what are a, your thoughts it, on the millennials? It, I, well, it, it's a great point. And, and I think you're right that, that as you do realize as you get, it, it takes, took me a lot longer than probably some other people, but do you, to have a little bit of self-awareness about how public policy impacts your life. And unfortunately it might, like you say, it mm-hmm. might be a little bit to get a little bit older. Now you said something earlier about, about Nate Bell and I, I believe Nate, who I think is a pretty interesting fellow, his take, and I don't know if y'all even talked about, about demographics and demographic shifts and as it relates to voting, but I know he's often made the point that the Republican Party is not sustainable because it, not even the, the, the trending to authoritarianism notwithstanding, but it's not sustainable because people that, that are younger 
uh, millennials and, and Gen Z, they they are not going to the Republican Party. So there's going to be at some point where you climb up the hill and you kind of come back to the other side. And I know I've seen him post about this in social media where they're going to get aged out of competitiveness in, in, in certain states, uh, certain districts, maybe even nationally, because younger people just have got a, a more – a different – a view of the world. And so that's something I think is really interesting. I've heard Nate talk about that some, uh, and I think he's right. And I mm-hmm. think that that's, that those are trends that are, that are lasting and that, um, are going to be getting bigger. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, and there's, there's, um, certainly within the Republican party, it's probably fair to pick on both in this context and say that there's divides with, within each party that are generating, you know, an interesting amount of, uh, I don't know, just side conversations. And it makes you wonder, you know, what is going to happen to the future of Republican voters and Republican parties and millennials that maybe feel they want, they might want conservative candidates to vote for, but not, not the, um, I, I don't mean this to be like catty necessarily, but like not the Trumplican flavor, but no, the I, Eisenhower, you know, flavor, if you will. I I don't think I don't think you're out of I don't think it's out of line to say uh, uh, trending authoritarian or or being okay with with authoritarian views. Yeah. I think that's the the best way that I would describe it. Right. I try to be sensitive, you know, because I wonder. It's it is interesting because Arkansas, especially, you know, they're we always talk about divide and things that happen and you always think that it's somewhere else, but it's here too. You know, we're, we're working. Well, it's definitely here within our legislature as we've seen. Nate Bell is a perfect example. You know, he's Nate Bell is a 2014 Republican, but he's not a 2016 Republican. We have a lot of those in our state and we have a, we have a lot of Democrats in our state that, that don't feel the democratic party is progressive enough, most likely. And, and, you know, so it's interesting that there's always kind of four different voices within the two-party system. And looking at Arkansas's future, as you're saying, watching watching that demographic of voters age out, but also watching the people that fund them age out. And that's just something I've started to think about recently as I've educated myself on some of the PACs and where the money's coming from for, you know, the conduit cabal or family council um that's that's old money you know and as john mayer john mayer likes to sing about we're waiting on the world to change i take a little bit of issue with mr mayor on that one because <laughs> we don't have to wait anymore we can we can go vote for folks like you thankfully that's or, right. or any good candidates you know across the board but anyway um i guess i've rambled enough there no, jesse i just uh had thoughts on that i wanted to you know to share and it's just interesting to kind of see it it's like a, it's your show, a chess move but <laughs> with an unlimited amount of yeah thanks <laughs> yeah well thanks this is my show well i want to do these in person sometimes yeah. so maybe sometime are you going to be around in uh we've talked about doing our ride the district thing in september but hoping i can catch up with you then we'll do this again in person absolutely i i I literally walked out uh and talked to my campaign staff what are we doing tomorrow like i just need tomorrow like right now i can't (laughs) let's get tomorrow but yeah i'd love to uh we'll be up i know we're going to be planning on being north uh central arkansas 
we were in. Well, I saw you in um, uh, Melbourne uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So we'll we'll be up in that right. area, and we'd love to get together again. And love to, to do another show. Cool, man. Yeah. Well, we're going to be working on getting some events and stuff together too. So I'll be reaching out to you. Sure. But anyway, I will. Uh, I'll end it here, Jesse. And one more time, Jesse Gibson for arkansas.com that's, that's the best place for people to go to connect with you that's right? it man appreciate it all right